This is Hard Beautiful Journey, a safe space to be open and honest, to speak truth and harness the power of vulnerability and sharing. Unravel the strength of connecting through conversation from mental health, trauma and addictions, to grief and spirituality. This is the podcast to use your voice, because when you use your voice, you ignite your soul. I am your host, Tiffany Vaughn. Join me as I help others talk about their hard, beautiful journey. I know they will inspire you as much as they inspire me. So let's get started. Hey there, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of Hard Beautiful Journey. I am finally recovering from having COVID. Let me tell you, it kicked my butt. I literally had all of the symptoms and some were worse than others. It was just brutal. And I think the most annoying one of all of the symptoms was the debilitating tiredness. I mean, I like napping and sleeping, but this was ridiculous. It would take every bit of my power to stay awake for more than an hour. And the first time that I stayed out of my bed for four hours at one time, I knew I was on the mend for sure. So anyway, here's to feeling even better from here on out. Today on the show is Troy Colmer. I met Troy on Instagram last year after I had Theo Flurry on my show. Theo had worn one of the hats that Troy's company sells, and I have enjoyed following Troy's journey ever since. Troy is here to talk about his addiction and recovery journey, as well as his thoughts on mental health and what his company is doing to help others in this critically important space. Here is my interview with Troy. Hello, Troy. How are you doing today? Good, Tiffany. How are you? I am surviving. I was telling you offline that I'm just getting over COVID and I'm recovering, thank goodness. And yeah, I'm I'm ready to be back at podcasting and talking to guests like yourself. And I'm really grateful that you're here today with me today. And I'm looking forward to our conversation and hearing about your addiction and recovery journey and and what you're doing with your journey now and your recovery now. And I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to have you here. I thought that we could do something a little bit different than I've ever done. (laughs) Are you? Are you sure? I'm up for it. Let's go. Let's go. So what I'm going to do with Troy is we're going to go through a few would you rather statements and we're both going to answer them. And it's just a way to kind of get to know each of us a little bit better beyond just our story and our journey. And they are not serious by any means, but I thought we would do that today. So are you good? I'm good. Let's go. All righty. Fire away. First one. Would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemy or trapped in a horror movie with your friends? Oh my. I think I would rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with the enemy because I'm not really into horror and it freaks me out a little bit more. So I think I would be able to cope a little better in the romantic comedy with, with an enemy, I think. I agree with that decision. I'm terrified of horror movies and you can always turn your enemies into your friends. That is so true. That's what I was thinking as well. Like, you know, always that something kill with kindness or sour to sweet. Yeah. So yeah. 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 
Excellent. All right. Would you rather have to shave your head or have your nose pierced? Well, this is a no brainer. <laughs> shave my head. <laughs> That's so easy. But I oh. would get my nose pierced too. I don't think it would be, uh, since I'm bald, I'll go with nose pierced. All right. I would definitely go with the nose piercing as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the shaving head. No, yeah, no, no, no. Unless I have the guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Would you rather be physically stronger than most people or be able to fly? Oh, fly. Me yeah. too. Fly. You know, I, I have dreams that I can fly. Do you? All the time. And uh, it's so amazing. Like I just, the feeling of it and, and you know, eventually I figure out I can't fly and I come, you know, kind of gliding down. I haven't really crashed in my dreams, but yeah, the freedom is, yeah. And I don't know what that says about me, but I, I think I should. Yeah. It's, it's happened to me throughout my life. I don't know. I don't know what it means. I probably have to see someone about that. <laughs> I'll have to ask my therapist next time I'm in there with Justin with them. <laughs> so far we are three for three because same okay. with me. I would want to fly. I want to travel the world. So if I could get there myself, mm. let's do that. Yeah. Okay. Would you rather your only mode of transportation be a donkey or a giraffe? Oh my goodness. I think comfort wise, I'll go with the donkey. It might be a little bit slower, but I think I could tame a donkey a little bit better. No, it's good for Jesus. I figure that'd be good for me. Okay, I'll take I'll take a donkey. <laughs> we are on the same page. Like seriously, the giraffe would be extremely uncomfortable, and its neck would always be in the way. So get out of yeah. my way. I need to. And you have to I'm carry going. a ladder too. That'd be tough to get up there. So exactly, yeah, I think the donkey's a little more convenient. Exactly. All right, two more. Would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter? Man, tough one. Yeah, because there's a lot of history that I'd like to see. So I'm probably going to go with a time machine only because it's not so much I want to go to the future. I think I want to go to the past and, and visit historical times and, and figures that we've read about and see kind of what went on back then that, you know, I think I, I think I would have an appreciation more for today if I could go back and look because of the difficult struggles that times have brought in, in the past. And mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm interested in history, so I think I would go. Yeah, and maybe even take a peek into the future too, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, that's a tough one for me too, because yeah, I'm I'm a very impatient person and mm -hmm. wanting to know what is coming, mm -hmm. and so the teleporter would be really interesting. But I also know that there's some interesting stuff in my <laughs> history that mm -hmm. would be very beneficial to know as well. But mm -hmm. all right, last one. And this one is more serious than the next. Okay. okay? Yep. The last ones anyway. All Would right. you rather have to eat only broccoli for the rest of your life or be forced to watch an episode of keeping up with the Kardashians every day? Broccoli. <laughs> really? Broccoli. Yeah. You really don't like that show? Well, I've never seen it, so I can't really say I don't like it, mm -hmm. but I really don't get caught up too much in all of the uh, fame kind of stuff, you know, uh, I don't know, trendsetters and things like that. It's kind of past me a bit, I guess, at this age, I'm I'm kind of who I am. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't get really too influenced by that kind of thing, or I don't get intrigued <laughs> by it. So yeah. Yeah, broccoli I, I it think is. I'd have broccoli, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I've seen every episode, so I I'm good and I don't need to see them again. It, it t definitely took time away out of my life that I'd like back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so broccoli, it would be for me. Holy well. man. Five for five. 
I know. Like, what is going on? Yeah, here? like seriously, like <laughs> feeling it today. I know. All righty. Well, that was fun. So yeah, I like that. Uh, now keep that. that. Keep that. You got to keep that. And I like that. <laughs> I like it. I like. Yeah, it's a good it's way a good to get up. to know people. Yeah. All right. So now that we know a little bit more about you and that you uh, prefer broccoli over the Kardashians, Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's Mm -hmm. get into your story. And I found you on Instagram Mm -hmm. and just like with Ryan uh, a couple episodes ago, I found you through our good friend Theo and, Mm -hmm. and he was actually wearing one of your products when I interviewed him. And so that's, how I know about you and started following you. And I just absolutely love what you, what your mission is about now, but let's go back a little bit and hear your story. Yeah. So my story starts as a teenager. I was, I'm an alcoholic. So I started drinking or, or experimenting with drinking at about 14 years old, not necessarily so much out of a need for it, just more of a curiosity and being, a, you know, at the place at a time. But what it did for me, which I was not expecting, was it brought relief to my brain like I had never felt before. It was an experience that I had never felt before. It was kind of like love at first sight. Mm-hmm. You see somebody across the room, you catch eyes, and you're in, you're sunk. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it was for me. I, don't, I didn't indulge consistently or to an unhealthy level at that time, physically, but mentally I did. So... I used alcohol to cope, I guess. It was, it was my earliest recollection on, recollection of using that substance to cope in life. And I, I don't think I had a ton to cope with at the time, but I grew up in a very conservative home. And not that I'm going to blame anyone because my parents were fantastic, loving people. My mom's passed. My dad's still with me. He's 86 years old. And But I grew up in a very right-wing religious home. And, and so I learned early what or maybe how do I explain this? Um, what I thought, what I interpreted the world and how I should live and, and not being able to live up to that. So I, I think I questioned myself, is, is, am I good enough? Um, am I um, living up to what I need to be? I was, I, you know, I was a people pleaser to my parents. I wanted them to love me. And I thought that I had to live a certain way to do that, which I've come to learn that that's not necessarily the case. But at the time, I could only interpret it as a child would interpret it. So unfortunately, because it worked so well for me as a coping mechanism at that time, I took that throughout my life. I lived the dual life growing up because I grew up in a community that I wanted to belong to, I guess, and, and make happy and, and fit in to the, my church community. Mm-hmm. But then I had a secular community of my friends that I grew up with, and then I lived a certain way when I was around them. So it's a very confusing way to live and grow up. And so as I grew older, I incorporated alcohol more and more. And it, it's, it's a disease that doesn't start on day one. It can start, you know, at any interval in your life. Mm-hmm. And for me, it became a problem. I was probably, you know, binge drinking and having problem drinking throughout my, my life, for sure. Did it interfere? You know, I, I held a job, you know, I got married, I had a family, I have a home, have a good career. So all of the stereotypical things that you would think of as a normal person experiencing or that we shoot for, I seem to have. Mm-hmm. However, there was a void inside of me that I was filling with alcohol. And I think it's because I didn't learn the skills as a young guy to 
share. And that comes a lot from, you know, growing up as a male and I was born in the sixties, grew up in the seventies and the eighties and really didn't have role models in my life to sit down and say, Hey, Troy, if you're having issues, this is, you know, you can come to me to talk about it. Nobody talked about mental health back then. It was more of a situation where you suck it up. You know, if you're like, for instance, I played a lot of sports. So if I got hurt or if I was injured and I, you know, I can remember playing hockey, hockey game, and I was trying to make a team and it was last day of cuts and I scored a goal and assist and a two on win, but I smashed my head and, and, and rattled my teeth and saw stars, but there was no way I was coming out of that game because I, first of all, didn't want to admit the weakness mm-hmm. and I didn't want to admit anything. So it's kind of that mentality. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I can equate it that people could understand what, what, what it's like. So I, I just didn't have the skill. So as I, as I got older, I had a very, very deep depression in 2010. I wasn't happy as a husband. I wasn't happy as a dad. I wasn't happy with my job. I wasn't happy with anything. I just, I don't know what it was. I just lacked a joy in life. Mm-hmm. And I filled that joy, I guess, or coped with, with that lack of joy through alcohol. And so I'll jump forward to about 2014. I was drinking quite a bit. I drank every day, pretty much. I would come home. I worked at a job where I worked six days a week, you know, somewhere between 10 hours or 12 hours a day, um, sometimes less, sometimes more, but, you know, on average, quite a bit a week. And I would come home and I would drink at night to de-stress and it became a, a really, really bad habit of doing that. And my wife approached me and said, Troy, you know, I think, you know, you have an issue. Like, why are you drinking? So I bought, I'll give you an example too. We went to Niagara. I live in Ontario. So we went to Niagara and that's wine country. And I bought a case of wine and it was in the summer, probably in late July, August. And she went back, my wife's a teacher. She went back to school and she asked me, said, Oh, you know, that wine that you have, can you give me a bottle? I want to give it to someone as a gift at school. And I said, Oh, it's all gone. And she's gone. I said, yeah, it's gone. She goes, we just bought that so many weeks ago. And you know, that type of thing. And Mm-hmm. Well, that was a real shocker for her. And I guess an eye opener to myself that I thought, oh my gosh, I know I've, I've ran through this plus more yeah. since that time. So yeah, I agreed. And so it was November of 2014, my wife approached me and that's when I really started my road to recovery. Now I didn't do a good job at it because I really didn't submit to, to the full program of, of getting better. And I didn't understand, to be honest with you, at the time what that meant to. I thought recovery was just quitting drinking. And it's not. That's just, that's day one kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yep. All the stuff that went on in my life, all the subconscious things that I've done, all the, my behaviors, my ability to communicate or lack of ability to communicate, all of these things that I've, I've pushed down into my stomach and never talked about my entire life just came to be at that time and, and was starting to flow out of me as I was going to get treatment and getting counseling and so forth. But because I'm stubborn and I didn't fully commit to getting sober, I mean, I reduced my drinking significantly, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. However, I still indulged here and there and it was a problem because it was a problem in my family. Right. And first of all, I was lying and I was running around and sneaking around and drinking, you know, when I at inappropriate times, or if my wife needed me and we were away, I would be intoxicated and couldn't help her. And she would get very frustrated and and so forth. So to start my pathway, absolutely did. But this past year, October 4th, I had a horrible day. 
I was golfing with a friend. I already told my friends that I was quitting drinking and that this is part of my life, but I was even lying to them. So I left uh, the email golf and I stopped and got some alcohol and then I went to a bar and then next thing I knew I was, you know, drunk, drunk, mm -hmm. came home and had a horrible evening, <laughs> to be honest with you, with, with my wife. She just had, had, this was, you know, one of those nights where it was just, Troy, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to get this straightened out. So I emailed my friends. I have a friend who his, his dad is in, um, AA and has been recovered from alcohol for about 20, well, probably closer to 30 years now. And he reached out to my wife and said, you know, Joanne Troy really needs to go to a treatment center. This is what, you know, I've seen in the past and this is what my experience is. So he shared with her that. So on October 5th of this year, it was the last, last, sorry, of 21 was the last day I've had a drink. So I'm actually four months sober now. Uh, it's awesome. my longest streak that I've had that I can remember from when I was a teenager, probably. I don't think I've ever gone four months, at least without one drink. Wow. Um, so I'm really proud of that. Congrats. And thank you. It's been easier this time because I have finally, finally did it for me. That was the key. So the that key was, was the turning point for you? Was... 100%. Yeah. Didn't matter if my wife cried, begged me to stop drinking. It didn't matter if I was negatively influencing my kids by them seeing me in a certain state or arguing in the home and, and a lot of tension. It, none of it mattered, mm -hmm. um, which is, I'm embarrassed to say, to be honest with you, I'm very, <laughs> it almost like one brings me to tears because I, I recently I've been looking at pictures um, of my daughters and I, I would see, you know, things come up on your phone these days and they say, oh, here's your memory. Yeah, I would see my kids in 2014 and how young and innocent they were. And I think, oh my God, I have been struggling since then. Look how young they are. Mm -hmm. They didn't deserve this. They shouldn't have had this in their life. And man, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that. Now, have I been an absent dad? No, I've gone to everything. They're in a competitive dance. I've done everything that I can. I've, I've always been, you know, present and those type of things. I could have been a much better dad to them. More so that's very, very, very hurtful. And it's a big that if I had that time machine, I would go back. <laughs> That's something you would use your time machine for. Absolutely go back. And you know, I can't take back prior to seven years ago because that is what it is. But the past seven years of trying to get sober and going through recovery, I, I really wish I would have took it more seriously and, and saw, I think you're just blind as, as a person that's an addict because you don't, everyone else's problem. It's not your problem. You're putting, you know, pressure on me or you you know, you're causing me to drink because you're bringing stress to my life or whatever excuse I used. I used this excuse. I had a bad day. I used the excuse. I had a good day. Mm -hmm. I had an excuse. It's a sunny day. I had an excuse that we were playing hockey today. And then afterwards we, you know, I'm, I'm golfing today. Well, I got to go to the golf cart. You know, it didn't matter. I had an excuse every day to have a drink for whatever reason I justified it in my life. So that's my history of, of, you know, I, I could go on for hours and <laughs> give you great detail, but I'm trying to hit the high points to give people a, a glimpse into what um, alcohol can do from an early age and into, I just had my 54th birthday. So I've been drinking for four, well, not quite 40 years because I quit on, <laughs> mm -hmm. on October 5th is going to be my date. 
That's mm-hmm. my sober date that I, I actually take seriously now. And I have in my phone and I update and I, every day I, I have an app called I'm sober and I do a commitment every morning and I do a check-in every night. And um, that's been a great help as well. So I um, am so yeah. proud of you for even just fighting through that battle since 2014, right? It's, it's a very hard battle and that you kept going and, and then you came to the realization that it was that you needed to make the decision and nobody else. And that's huge, right? Was there any, was there any other people that were influential in that journey though, that helped you and kept motivating you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, well, first of all, my, my minister, Jamie, he's a good buddy of mine. And we went, my wife and I went to see him at an early, early days of, of, you know, making this decision and, and, and talking about it for help. So he's been a huge influence. And since I grew up in a denomination or with, with people that I felt were very hypocritical and, and judgmental, he never judged me from day one super awesome, like totally open to helping and understanding and loving me no matter what unconditionally. So that was, that was massive. That was the first step really that, that I, it's going to be okay. If I can come to him and he can um, handle it and work with me and, and kind of guide me when necessary, that was important. My friends, of course, have been very helpful. No one's put me in positions where I would compromise my decision. I, any times that I had made a bad decision was on me. It wasn't on anybody else influencing me. So I got to thank you to them. My wife, of course, has been with me through this and she's had many reasons not to stay and and work with me. Believe me, she's been the biggest for sure supporter and influencer for me to recover. And I put her through hell some days and I um, really feel awful about that, but we're healing. We're moving forward. And this past four months has been just a tremendous growth for myself and all the counselors I've had along the way. I've had many. Mm-hmm. I've gone to counseling, counseling sessions and I've openly told them, I don't want to be here. I, I'm here because someone else is making me kind of come here, but I'm here because I'm trying to get better. And, you know, I, I was very honest with, with people that I, that I met with counseling, but this past, so I went into a 20 day program. So Monday to Friday for four weeks, eight hour, like six hour days, I think it was, and just learned you know, cognitive behavioral therapy and things like that, where you dive in deeply to what's going on within yourself. And so those people helped me tremendously and, and changed my life. And um, yeah, that people wise, that's, that's really who have been the biggest influences. That's awesome. What resources do you think helped you besides the people? What kind of resources helped you along the way that could help others? in their, um, addiction recovery journey? Yeah, there's many, um, nothing will work unless, first of all, I want to just state nothing will work unless you're ready to, to commit. Mm-hmm. So for me, I went to many therapies when I wasn't ready to commit. So they could have been much more helpful, but because of my resistance, but uh, having said that I did learn a lot of techniques that I could use now. Mm-hmm. So one-on-one counseling for sure is very important. So first of all, you keep accountable. You have a one-on-one counselor. I'm not sure in other parts of Canada or the U.S. what goes on, but 
in Ontario, I found my local hospital, it's called Addiction Services. Mm -hmm. So it's covered by Ontario Hospital Plan, so OHIP we call it. And it's been phenomenal. The people and the resources that I've had, first of all, through one-on-one counseling, I have groups that I attend. So I have a mindfulness group. So I'm learning meditation and being mindful and um, it's changed my life. Meditation absolutely has changed my life and learning how to live in the present and not look back and not look future, causing that anxiety and depression in life that we do when we, you know, we look back and get depressed over what we've done, or we look forward and we get anxious for what's to come and we don't think we can handle it. Mm -hmm. So it's learning to, as they say, in in recovery one day at a time. And it, it applies to more than just drinking. It's, I think people just with mental health in general can, can benefit from living one day at a time and living in the moment. And I do, I live, you know, second to minute to hour to day to, you know, those type of things like that. I, I can make a wrong decision at any time. Mm-hmm. So I really need to be mindful of that. And that's really helped me quite a bit. So I would, you know, if, if you don't have access to go away to somewhere, there's, there's day programs for sure. in communities in Canada, for sure. One-on-one counseling for sure. Group therapy, obviously there's AA. I attended AA a little bit when I started, but it wasn't for me. I'm not saying that's not for everybody. It's very mm-hmm. successful for certain people, 12-step programs. I chose a different way. It just, that's another thing. I don't, there's a lot of people online in the community that I'm, I'm in now online that have certain beliefs of how to do it. But I would say do what's right for you and try whatever it is that is going to work. Certain personalities, I believe, might work better with certain counseling or with certain groups. And for me, I had to try quite a few things to find what was right for me. Mm -hmm. And I can only speak from my experience. So Mm -hmm. um, if you're in a position that you think you're having um, an an addiction problem, it doesn't matter what it's with. Part of what I do is now talk about getting sober from everything, shopping, sex, pornography, social media. There's all kinds of different things that people self-medicate with. It doesn't have to be alcohol or drugs. There's all kinds of things that are available to people these days to self-medicate. And when it gets to an unhealthy point, then they, you know, needs to be addressed in your life because nothing in that, that amount is, is healthy. It's Um, called balance, right? Like if you don't have a, if you don't have a sense of balance between all the things that bring you joy in your life, then it can definitely make things go downhill a lot quicker. One of the things that I was just talking to my mom actually this weekend about it is meditation. And you said it's life-changing and I use those exact same words to her. And I've said it to her a few times, like it absolutely has been life-changing for me to bring me back to the present moment and not focus on things that I may have done wrong in the past and, you know, worrying about the future. It, it absolutely brings you that sense of peace and calm. And I, I just highly recommend it for everybody, but like you said, it may not work for you. So keep looking until you find that thing that works for you. And I've, I've gone through many iterations of what works for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I finally have landed on something that works for me. And that is meditation and gratitude journaling. Those two combined are just what has made a massive difference in my life. Well, we're on the same level for sure. Five questions, the same, and this is the same too. Journaling, 
100%. A gentleman in my, one of my addiction counselors introduced me to a thing very simple. It's called the five minute journal and it's a gratitude journal and it doesn't take it too much time. I, I would promote that, that uh, method for sure, but gratitude. And you know, I, when I went through my counseling session, some days were very tough and emotionally draining. Mm-hmm. And I woke up the next day, not as enthused to go again, because it was just, oh, can I face another day of talking about this really deep stuff? But what I did is I did my meditation in the morning because I got into that routine and I followed it up by my gratitude journal and my day changed before I got in the car and I went to therapy that day. So I agree 100%. And some days are tough to find things to be uh, grateful for because sometimes you don't want to say the same thing every day and you want to reach in and, you know. What do you mean? I was saying for the first no word of a lie, Troy. For the first month, every day yeah. I said I'm grateful for coffee five times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because well, I, I love coffee too. <laughs> I love coffee, yeah. but I couldn't get yeah. past the oh come on. Like there's I can't be grateful. I'm pissed off today. So you yeah. know, but when you work that muscle and you like really like sometimes I even go to the micro gratitude, right? Like absolutely somebody made that cup that I'm drinking my coffee out of. I'm grateful for that person. Right. And that has been an easier way for me to develop my gratitude practice for sure. Yeah. I think the magic is not in necessarily what you're naming every day. It's in the practice of being grateful for something. Mm -hmm. And as minute as it can be, it changes your attitude before you. And if you do it in the morning, which I, I recommend because starting your day off with gratitude, I think is is absolutely essential to changing your attitude for that day and walking out the door a little bit better mindset than when you got up because, you know, we're living in some tough times and in, in isolation and all kinds of different things. So we need to find the gratitude in, in everything that we do every day. So I agree to you 100% mm-hmm. added the gratitude journaling and meditation will change your life. It will. And that's one thing that I would say, you know, find your own thing you'll probably back me up on this saying, you know, meditation, when you do it, it's hard in the beginning because your mind's wandering and you don't think you're doing it right. But that's what it's all about. It's, it's finding a way to block out things that are going on. The mind is going to wander. There's no mm-hmm. two ways about it. The mind wanders mm-hmm. and the practice of bringing it back to the moment is like you say, you're working that muscle. And as, as you work it more, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And I'm at a point now where I could have my dog barking. I could have the kids running around. I could, and I'm in a meditation and I, I hear them, but it doesn't really distract me the way it would have. I can still focus on what my practice is. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's really, really a, a magic potion that somehow I found. So I, I'm very, very grateful for being introduced to that. I, I was telling my mom this as well, cause I'm, I've been trying to teach her meditation and she mm-hmm. did really well this past weekend. And I learned this one trick from a friend of mine that if a thought comes into your head, she calls them thought marbles and Mm -hmm. she just has a bucket beside her. And she just takes that marble and drops it into the bucket and says, thank you for coming, but I don't need you right now. I'll, I'll pick you up later. And now when I'm like, when a thought comes in, I just picture it as a marble and different colored ones. And I just pop it back into the bucket and, and then I continue on, but same as you, like I can hear my kids in the other room. I can hear my dogs barking and it's like, eh, whatever I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm 
in a place where I'm deep. Right. And, and it, if I could recommend it as like the thing to help so many people in addictions, in trauma, in mental Mm -hmm. health spaces, those two combined would be it for sure. So speaking about mental health, do you think that it's getting better now? The, the discussions around mental health and the where we're going in that in that space? Some days I do, some days I don't, to be honest with you. It, it's an organic thing, really, because I've been in this space and talking about it for about a year and a half and openly telling my story. I've met so many people through social media and opportunities to come on podcasts and talk about my story or, you know, meet people through these type of things that it's very encouraging. But those are people within that community who are are really, you know, trying to promote ending stigma or taking action. And we, we talk a lot about it, but really, I think most of us in this space want to see action happen. And yeah, talking is important 100%. I, I think without conversations, there's no planning to go ahead and see what we do, but we want to have action. But sometimes if I speak to people outside of that circle, I wonder some days, I really wonder if the message is getting through to the general population. I think it is getting better though, because you see in the media, you know, people actually talking about it. We're talking about it through professional sports. There's a lot more grace towards people who are taking time out. We look at Kerry Price recently, who's mm-hmm. who's gone through a situation. And I think the fans, I think the media, and I think the other players were an example, I guess, of it getting better. Because probably there was a time when somebody who were going through that type of program wouldn't even come public. Exactly. So for him to be able to do that, I guess, is, is you know, kudos to him that there's a space that he felt comfortable to do that. So some days I get a little bit discouraged, Tiffany, to be honest with you, but other mm-hmm. days I, I guess that's life too. You know, some days you're, you're really rolling and you think things are progressing quite well. And then, you know, I'll have a conversation with somebody who doesn't know anything about my story and I hear something and I think, oh man, you know, they don't, they don't really understand what people go through on a day-to-day basis. And they, you know, they make a comment and they don't know where people are at in their lives. And I just, you know, it just really boils down to us being a kinder society and and you know really just looking out for each other and I think we do as Canadians I think we're pretty good at that but we could do a better job Mm -hmm. they there's definitely been a lot of things in my life that have been difficult and that has given me so much compassion for others that go through the the things that I've gone through like infertility and mental health struggles and parenting stuff and marriage stuff. And, and I haven't had an an addiction um, to alcohol. I've definitely had an addiction to things like social media. And I, I just, now that I've been through some tough times in my life, I find that the compassion is always there for whatever people are dealing with. And I think without that compassion, like it, you just, you don't really know what somebody's gone through unless you have walked in their shoes or you've seen somebody in your family. And I don't want people to go through hard times to get that compassion, but I just wish that there would be a little bit more in our world because it's, it's not an easy world right now. Right. 
hundred percent is not. Yeah. And I guess that were those, I guess that's where the conversation piece comes into play and, you know, feeling comfortable to talk to people about it. I, I certainly didn't do that and I'm not very good at it. And even though I know it's the right thing to do now, I still struggle with it. To be honest with you, I, I don't want to bother people. I still feel that way sometimes. Like I don't want to impose on them my issues. They have enough going on in their own lives where, you know, they don't need to, but that's, you know, people that I've approached have always been very open to talking and, and I've never had somebody give me a feeling of negativity for coming forward. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that I've ever done mental health wise or through my addiction and talking about it or sharing people are usually, you know, that's very brave or they pat you on the back or they say, good for you. We're pulling for you. Mm-hmm. And there's people through social media. It's funny people in my past that I grew up with, even that I haven't seen in years will shoot me a message and say, Hey, Troy, I see you. I see you online, you know, good for you. Keep going. Nothing in depth, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, earth shattering, but it is for me because it means so much that somebody takes that 30 seconds to a minute to shoot a little quick message through whatever means necessary to get it to me to say, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I see you. Some people have shared stories, you know, I'm have some friends that have played hockey and they said, you know, I had an injury. I was playing in the AHL. I got given Oxycontin. Next thing I know, I was addicted to Oxycontin. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's things like that, that people feel comfortable reaching out. So I guess the communication piece is very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when in situations that I've been in, especially over the last couple of years and being on zoom calls and stuff and, and I've actually seen it happen so many times where somebody does decide to be vulnerable and share their story. And you can actually see a good portion of the people, their shoulders like drop and they're like, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like mm-hmm. that's me mm-hmm. that I'm going through that too. And, and like, you can see the chat, like, thank you for sharing your story. Like I'm going through the same thing. Thank you for giving me, you know, the, mm-hmm. the courage to maybe talk about my story. And, and so yes, it's hard to talk about stuff, but you never know who you're going to help if you do it. And just by you coming on this podcast today, you're going to help somebody out there. And even if it's one person, that's the one person you're going to help. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, you know, that's, it's therapy for me to be honest with you to do it. So it's a little bit selfish that I share, but at the same time, I don't care anymore. I used Mm -hmm. to care what people thought and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I had all of those things that we go through in life when we're, you know, we want to uh, present ourselves in a certain way and we want people to see us in a certain way. But I just found that being honest was the most freeing way for me to get sober, but also through my recovery, but also through my mental health and all of the things that have happened in the traumas. If I'm not honest um, with myself then I'm not fooling anybody else. So that's why I do it too. And I'm not afraid to do it anymore because I was ashamed. I didn't want people in my family to know that I was abusing alcohol. I didn't want people to know that, you know, my mom and dad are very respected people in in their community. And I, and I didn't want to have my behaviors or my addictions reflect poorly on them. So that held me back as well. So Mm -hmm. all of those type of things that would hold us back 
you know, from shame and, and guilt and all these kind of things. Um, I've tossed aside at this point. I just, I've, I threw it all out there. I said, yep. when I was going through therapy, I said, what am I, how am I going to use this experience of going in for day therapy? So I didn't go to a facility, but I went in daily. So I thought, okay, how am I going to do it? So I said, day one, I drove there and I did a video of myself driving on the way to the detox center where they were holding the, um, the, the therapy sessions. And I said, I'm going to do 20 days on YouTube every day, giving an update of what's going on with me. And because somebody might see it and say, yeah, you know what, if this guy can do it, he's just a joke. You know, I'm not a public figure. I'm not a someone who would, you know, people would know I'm just a guy grew up, you know, mm-hmm. Canadian guy, <laughs> like mm-hmm. just, you know, regular guy. I wasn't a type of guy who would disappear for a week on a binge drinking. I'm a guy that you would not really know of my issues if you looked outside of my house and I didn't talk about it. Mm. And I thought there's way more people like me that are abusing alcohol on a daily basis than people who, as we would see in society of, you know, what an addict looks like, homeless people. Mm-hmm. physically you look gaunt or whatever these things would that we stereotypically put people into a box and say you know they're an addict they're mm-hmm. drunk they're you know an alcoholic that's obvious we can see that but i think there's more people struggling with mental health and i've seen too that i i don't think i've met anybody that's in treatment that hasn't had a mental health issue mm-hmm. because they go even, hand in uh, hand they go hand in hand if you're familiar with gabor Meti. I'm saying his right his name correct, Gabor Meti, I think it is. He wrote in the in the realm of hungry ghosts. He was he's a doctor in Vancouver who dealt with people on heroin and this and that. And so he gives speeches, and you can look at look him up on YouTube. Great, you know, gives great talks on um, addiction, mm-hmm. and he talks about how he has not met a person that he's dealt with without childhood trauma as well. That's been his experience. Yeah. So the mental health, the trauma, all those type of things. We all have them. We all experience life in different ways. Something that might be a trauma for me may not be a trauma for you. Mm-hmm. So we're ashamed and we don't talk about it. And by not talking about it, we become unhealthy. And then we cope in other ways. And maybe we're coping by eating. And then we become unhealthy because we have a heart disease, high cholesterol, whatever it would be. So all of these things that we're keeping in inside of ourselves through whatever way, you know, if we have a spending addiction, then we're obviously putting ourselves in, in harm's way financially. Mm-hmm. So there's always repercussions to this mental health and, and addiction issues. And that's kind of what I'm bring want to bring to light too. I just, I talk about alcohol because that's my experience, but really when you're getting sober, you can get sober from anything, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're using to self-medicate people can get sober from. And that's kind of why I started my brand sober and, and let's talk to, about this. Yeah, I, I wanted wanna... to include everybody. You know what I mean? Not I just love people it. Yeah. I love your line. And when I first saw it, I was like, okay, that, you know, sober from, from alcohol. But then when I started seeing it more and understanding it more, I just think it's beautiful. And I think it is needed so much. So let's talk about this line that you started. Yeah. So I have a, a company, it's called uh, sober athletic wear. And so I sell different things that you would see in promotions like hats and shirts and mugs and those type of items that you would, you would, you know, wear as a promotional item for, you know, if you work for a company or, you know, a brand, any of those type of things. So I've always had an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit. 
I never opened a company. Uh, I've been in sales and marketing and that for my whole life. And I wanted to bring the word sober to people and destigmatize that word. And the reason is because, like I was saying earlier, when you talk about somebody who's sober, you automatically think of criminal, homeless, whatever negative connotation you want to associate with that word. And there's people in our society who are struggling to be sober that don't fit into that box. These are everyday people. These are moms in the morning meeting up or say at two in the afternoon, it's the wine club and they're killing a box of wine together to Mm de-stress. It's guys like me who are in sales on the road. So I'm on the road by myself. I'm de-stressing. I'm out drinking every night just to, you know, try and get through. It's, you know, people that we see in everyday life having hard times. And I can't take the full credit for including everybody in the sober. I got some advice from a gentleman on that. And so he recommended to me to use the hashtag sober from, and he said, I think you can really expand your brand because you have a great logo, but your message is probably very niche in, in, in what you're doing. And he says, you're doing it because you're, you know, an alcoholic and you want to talk about that. But there's so many things that people, in the mental health space would be getting sober from because they would cope with whatever reasons. So my mission is to destigmatize the word and associate it with when you're sober, you're clear-minded, you're thinking straight, you're level-headed, you're not in obviously using some sort of substance to make yourself clear, I guess, is the word I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And So I wanted to sell these products and raise money to give back. And since I'm new and through COVID, I mean, sales are not getting quite where they're going to be, hopefully to be able to to do that. But, and it's going to be like to put money into a little bit of a scholarship fund for somebody maybe to go to treatment that can't afford it or get counseling that can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's going to go to pay for babysitting that somebody can't go to a day treatment because for four hours, they just can't leave their kids at home. Mm-hmm. And it helped to pay for somebody to do that. Maybe it's somebody, some kids that are in a situation where their parents are, are addicts and they need a little bit help with food. So we can bring some food to their home. Those are the type of things that I want to do with the company as well. And the reason I want it to blow up, because obviously revenue equals helping people. And so that's, that's my idea. I've, I've, I'm now into coffee. So I have a brand called Sober Up. And you can a whole bunch, <laughs> you know, me and my coffee. Love. Yeah. So I, I'm selling it. So I have a sober which goes to my sober athletic wear website. And I've also started a brand called uh, the Strug, which is a play on the struggle. So mm-hmm. the struggle is real, you know, so people who don't maybe identify with the word sober, because there is that connotation, maybe are a little bit shy to wear it. I understand that because you know, someone might ask or someone might make an assumption about somebody that they're not comfortable uh, wearing that. Mm -hmm. So this other brand's called the Strug. So it's the struggle, struggle with whatever it is that you're going through. We're all obviously struggling Mm -hmm. (laughs) with all kinds of stuff these days. I mean, we're isolation, we're, you know, struggling socially, we're struggling mental wise, we're struggling uh, financially, a lot of people these days, right? All of that kind of thing. So um, just trying to tie it all back to being with where you're at. If you're getting sober, to be proud of that fact, to be able to wear that. And if somebody wears a hat that says sober or a shirt that says sober, and it gets them even through a day 
of not using that day. Mm-hmm. And that's great too. Mm-hmm. You can be a parent that's supporting somebody. You could be a friend that's supporting somebody. You could just in general want to be a part of the movement to help people get sober from whatever it is that, they, that, that they're going through. And these funds will go, go towards that. So that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm slowly getting traction and slowly, you know, I have sales all across North America here and there mm-hmm. and people from California to Alabama to a lot in Alberta, which has been very nice. And yeah, so it, it's, That's it's a, beautiful like a cottage little pet project for me now. Yeah. If it happened to blow up and I, this became my thing because I really want to get involved in also doing speaking engagements and going to high schools if that's uh, required, because I want to tell my story to kids that are at that age that are making decisions about, are they going to get involved in this type of lifestyle or not? Mm-hmm. Let them know there's alternatives. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I'm not anti-alcohol or anti whatever it, it's, you know, people can use it in a, in a healthy way, then that's no problem, but don't use it in an unhealthy way and don't let it be a crutch. So I want kids to know, first of all, there's sources available if they're having mental health problems to go and get help. So you don't make a choice like I did that alcohol is going to be the way that you're going to cope with life. Mm-hmm. cope with it in a healthy way a lot of different ways i think you know teaching kids meditation and journaling and very simple things at a young aging and building it into their life is important yeah and same thing with businesses businesses are losing people to sick days because of their mental health why not come in and give seminars to the employees letting them know different ways that they can cope or, or providing some coaching to, towards them to uh, more healthy ways of dealing with uh, the stresses at work and also bringing awareness to employers that they have to be more conscious of what their employees are going through on a daily basis and a little more understanding of, you know, I, I need it. I really honestly need a mental health day off today. Like I am burned out mm-hmm. and being okay with that, not lying and saying, Oh, <clears throat> I got a cough today. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it just because it's a mental day and they're sick, doesn't make it any less of a day off than if they had a, the flu or whatever. People need to, to rest and heal and just changing that. So that's kind of what I want to do. You know, some speaking, some coaching and, and selling product and all those kind of things wrapped into one. It's mm-hmm. kind of in the future, but mm-hmm. just gradually growing and, and trying to get my work, my uh, brand out and uh, talk about my vision. And the more people hear about it and the word spread, then we'll see where it goes and I want it to explode. I want it to get out there so much. Like some of the things that you said you would use the the revenue for. Mm. I personally know on like one hand, all five fingers. (laughs) Mm. I know people that that could help. Mm. And so, yeah, I really hope that people will look into what you're doing and uh, where can people find you? Well, they can go to my website, soberathleticwear.com. That's where you can purchase all the items. So I have this .ca, which goes to my Sober Athletic Wear if you're looking for something simple mm-hmm. uh, to remember. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, soberup.com. There's 21 flavors that are available right now. So it will it's gourmet coffee. So they actually do the beans for you on a day or two as far as roasting them. Yeah. package them and send them out. Usually will be probably a week or two to get to you, depending on where you live. And then I have my, my other items as hats and shirts. And I, all of, I have a ton of different options on, on that as well. So mm-hmm. if you want to visit, that's where you can buy stuff. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you know, if you're in Ontario and you need some help or direction on 
where to get help. And I can provide some sources for that as well. My email is soberathleticwear at gmail.com. Okay. And on, you're on Instagram as well. Yeah. Holy Moses. I have so many Instagram accounts. Let me think. Well, so it'd be uh, at sober athletic wear on Instagram, same on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, sober athletic wear Twitter. I'm at, so it's sober underscore wear. So mm-hmm. sober wear with an underscore in between, but you just, you know, if you Google sober athletic wear, you'll find it all. It'll all pop up. That'll probably be the easiest for people to find me. And yeah, if they need anything in, in, in general, you know, as far as finding sources or, if they want to hop on board and support the brand, I'd be more than uh, happy for that and, you know, overjoyed to be Perfect. able to help people. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm so grateful for this. And like I said, I, I end every episode with something I'm grateful for. And then I ask you what you're grateful for. So today, Troy, I am grateful to find out that you have sober up coffee. Honestly, coffee is like me and coffee are tight. Okay. And so I'm going to go on to your website and order some of that coffee for myself. What are you grateful for today? Well, to be honest with you, I'm grateful to uh, spread my message. So lately I've been asked to come on a lot of different things and, and talk about my story. And there's nothing more exciting for me than to talk about what I'm doing, where I've been, and where I've come to. So I'm really actually grateful to you to today, to be honest with you, because Thank you. Uh, without this forum to be able to do that and help people, and as you say, it helps one person today who's listening, then that's, it's all worth it. All the work that goes into Sober Athletic Wear and the marketing and social media and talking and all that, you know, to change one life. It, it means the world. It means, you know, that person's going to change and it's going to reach you know, the six degrees of separation and, and affect a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of people. So I'm very, very grateful for that and for you for, for allowing me to talk about it today. So thank you very much. You're so welcome. I am, like I said, I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your day to come on my podcast and, and share your story and, and be vulnerable, right? It will help one person. I know it'll help even more than one person, but even if it's one, right? So everyone go check out Troy and sober athletic wear and all the coffee stuff, everything. And yeah, let's just get that message out so we can help other people along the way as well. So thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tiffany. Appreciate it very much. I really enjoyed this conversation with you, Troy. Thank you again for making the important decision to keep sharing your story and the things that have helped you along your path. I hope and pray that you will be asked to speak in front of many people in the future to continue inspiring others. Remember, even if it lands for one person, it is important. I wish you continued strength on your recovery journey as I know it is something that you will work on for the rest of your life. Please be sure and check out Troy's merchandise that raises money to help others with addictions, mental health, and the strug. As for me, I am working hard at getting my soul group coaching program built, and it's coming along. I can't wait to tell you more over the next few weeks. And my book is also coming along. Writing a book is no joke. Holy smokes. I know when this book is done, I will be so damn proud of myself because it really is one of the hardest things that I have ever done. 
If you liked this episode and know someone who would enjoy it, please share because sharing is caring. So until next time, please be kind and stay well. Bye-bye.